I think I knew in my heart Snow White would never do that. <laughs> Snow White isn't into gangbangs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Today we are back with the second installment of the Cincinnati season of Coming of Age. And today we are going to talk about porn because <laughs> this is America and sex ed means porn. We also talk about how it's a reality that a lot of people will see porn at a really early age. I invite you to listen with an open mind because I talked to a lot of really smart people, and we went beyond any one personal narrative, and we got to talk about the ways in which culture shapes porn, and porn shapes culture. The thing is, most of my, like, unofficial sex ed that was not, like, from my parents or from, um, school was porn. So do you think that was one of the first times you, like, heard the word? Or, like... I mean, I was, like, a 12-year-old boy, so, like, I feel like people discuss masturbation a lot when they're yeah. 12 years old. Like, with your friends? Yeah, stuff. sure. And they'd be like, oh, whatever, I'm into this and that and that, and Maybe. I was watching this porn and whatever. Like, I feel like there's, like, especially, like, early pubescent boys are, like, very open and will, like, like, I remember going to sleepovers and, like, some person would just, like, pull up some porn and I was like, I don't really want to watch this in front of other people. Like, to this day, I'm like, you know, not to be sex negative, but, like, there is a certain level of privacy <laughs> that I think is appropriate for... And you don't want to watch porn with five of your closest no, friends? No, I, I would not. My neighbor was older, and she, like, showed me porn on the computer. It was, like, in secret in her room. She was like, look at this. Yeah. And, um, and that was, like, pretty shocking. How old were you, and how old was she? <sighs> I was probably in, like, fourth or fifth grade, and she was just one year older, so, yeah. like, fifth or sixth. Yeah. She was, like, your bad influence friend. Yeah. And I was, like, this is porn? And it was really interesting, and I was really yeah. into it. I thought it was cool. Do you remember, like, what kind of porn it was? I I could not even tell you. I remember, okay, I remember one video in particular, and it was, like, cartoon. Yeah. It was, like, cartoon characters. I remember it was Snow White. Oh, wow. And was Seven Dwarves. Oh, my God. God, what an amazing intro- the introduction only one to porn. That sticks out to me. Yeah, and they were like taking turns. Like, oh my god. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and as a child, I was like, what is this? Okay, so when did you first see what you would consider to be porn? That is a good question. Um, it's really hard to remember going all the way back. I don't know. I My family was very restrictive with pornography. Like, even so, my mother wouldn't let us take phones or computers, or I don't even think we had phones back then, into the bathroom. I had an iPod Touch at the time. She was very hard about, like, 
no iPods in the bathroom, which she's like, we want to minimize your screen time. But I think we all know what she was really referring to, or what she really meant by that. I think she was concerned about me and my siblings viewing pornography. Yeah. Do you do you think, like, she was consciously thinking those things, that, like, you were going to be searching for porn in the bathroom if you had access to a screen? I feel like she was. I feel like she was... Wor- I mean, she was very concerned about the amount of time we spent on screens in general, but I do feel like porn was a, a a big portion. I think she mostly just felt like there are a lot of unsavory things on the internet and I want to protect my children from seeing them. And I imagine sexual things played a large part in that. I'm not sure exactly how much stuff did. I also spent a lot of time in the restroom because I read a lot in there because it was sort of my private place that I could go in a house full of siblings to like read after school for like two hours um so i was in there for a long time and i feel like i was i was always very concerned about that my mother would think i was masturbating i mean you probably were masturbating which yeah which i was but um (laughs) a little not concerned but i was reading yeah but like for like that was like 20 minutes and then the, the the book reading was like the hour and 40 minutes before that where did that learning happen um, I don't even know. Probably, probably a lot of it, like, through, like, pornography, which is mm-hmm. terrible, but is also, like, well, I think it's terrible, personally, because its effect in my life was, like, super problematic. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and also just, like, yeah, I guess just, like, dumb, just talking, I guess. Um, like, like yeah, just bullshit, things. yeah, and then, and then like you know, and then like having a partner, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I think, like pornography was a big part of my, I guess, sexual adolescence or sexual development, and in ways that were like really problematic, and in ways that I'm like kind of just now getting over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and, like, I'm just at, like, I've, like, just in the past year maybe gotten to the point where, like, I can, like, master it without pornography and it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me about, a, like, a year maybe of, like, not having pornography in my life before that could happen again. Having such a, like, a, like, influx of sexual data um, from, like, you know, being, you know, like, relatively innocent, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like it must have been really jarring. Um, yeah. And then I think, like, when I did have a partner, there's, like, this sort of juxta or this, uh, like, bifurcation in my sexual life between pornography and then, like, but, like, not a super, not a, like, a fluid bifurcation or, like, a porous bifurcation where... Because there was a certain point at which, like, pornography was, like, shaping the way I was approaching, like, sex with my partner at that time. And it was, like, super problematic and, like, just, like, fucked up our sex life uh, in ways that I really regret and made me just, like, shitty to her. And, like, it can be so valuable, but it can also be so harmful, Um, like, whenever you're taking it in in, like, like, an unknowledgeable way or, like... 
it, I mean, it's, I mean, there's like a lot of different facets, like the harmful aspects of pornography, right? For like viewers and producers, um, if it's not like done ethically, which like, I just had never like, I had never even thought to think about it. I think one of the greatest disservices we can do for children and young people who are maybe getting some form of comprehensive sex ed, we still need to be talking about the distinction between porn sex and the sex that people have in the real world. And I don't think that is an easily defined distinction, but I do think that we are going to have a lot of problems if we don't have language to articulate that difference. And you can hear that people feel like they are not performing sexuality correctly because it doesn't look like what porn has told them and we are not given the tools to talk about that difference. We aren't told that, you know, porn is a performance and this performance is constructed. You might compare yourself to what is happening in the porn you're watching. And as you might predict, that can be really damaging. You know, you had said sort of kind of making a separation between performance and mm -hmm. like what's real sexuality. And I guess I just wonder like how, like it's definitely more effective than not doing that, but I wonder how effective like making that kind of uh, explicit distinction is. Like, I guess I wonder how much of the like kind of, how much work those images are doing like subconsciously or like mm. just like not on the explicit level. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I definitely like if porn exists, we should be having that talk for sure. Yeah. And it does. I think that type of learning happens in porn for a lot of people. Out of my admittedly small sample size, porn played a major role in a lot of people's understandings of sex. I think in these stories, the problems arise when it is not part of a conversation, but the conversation. When the learning is from a single source that is not intended to educate and engage. If porn is the only place we learn about these things, what sex looks like, the mechanics of it, how you talk about it, who you do it with, what kinds of bodies do it. These are things that we can find out in porn and in very few other places. People are naturally curious about these things, young people are curious about these things, but if the only place we learn is internet porn, it will only look one way, and a lot of the time it will be really poorly lit. Like, the way I tried to find porn was, like, sort of circuitous as far as, like, leaving an internet trail, so I feel like I ended up, like, finding, I don't know, just finding stuff in a really indirect way, and so, like, finding stuff that I wouldn't have been looking for. Um, and so some of that was like shit that was like more hardcore than I was 
interested in at that point, which, you know, feels, I guess looking back, that feels like, I don't know, problematic. Yeah, but like, also like, I mean, just like the idea of like performing sexuality and having to like remain like this particular type of sexual being where it's like, man, I hope I look hot right now. Like, let me like worry about like whether or not like my stomach is like poking out too far. Like if I'm like arching my back enough and it's like, of course like, you can't relax and like, enjoy it yourself because like you're so uptight about like looking like the people that you've seen in like movies or porn. It's like, it's so messed up. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get, there's like so much pressure on both sides, right? Because like so many people get like their ideas about sex from, you know, unrealistic depictions of what it should look like. So I think there's definitely like expectations on both sides that like together make it all the more difficult for like multiple parties to get like what they could be out of an interaction. Yeah, I guess I think like porn, at least as it has existed, is... It's just like so hyper titillating, you mm -hmm. know, and it can be like hyper titillating, I think, without being like sexist. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, it being hyper titillating is still problematic and it like still produces this like thing where, where like pro pro pornography is like, you know, it's just like creating some kind of ideal. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're like, well, like, I'm not having this kind of sex, so I'm sad. Yeah, we watched like, one like really beautiful one. Like I was like a black and white scene, I think, which I was like, oh, this is like so beautiful. And then we watched another one. It was like in a garage. <laughs> I, I remember like, the garage one. There was something weird about it that I don't remember. What it was, was just like in it. She was just screaming. She, yeah, she was screaming. <laughs> like, in, like a bloody murder screaming. Bloody way. Sharon said something like, "Am I fucked? Like if I've never screamed like that." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, probably. Like, that's that's what it looks like. <laughs> this is what sex should be. That one was so confusing, right? Because it's like, I like I think it was intended to be sort of like more authentic, like not so like staged and like glamorous. But then it was still the most like overperformed orgasm I've like ever seen in my life. It's like, you know, I'm like having my first kiss with this girl, but then also I've seen all this weird shit, and they're sort of like. I feel, I, I feel there's still sort of like an innocence in that space where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, cute, I'm having my first kiss. Uh, and like the porn isn't like touching it, but it's just a strange, like having those two things in my life at the same time. I don't know. But then like when we were, when we were having sex, it was definitely like, what kind of language to use? Like sort of, I feel like the mentality in pornography or at least like mainstream mentality is very sort of like, like completionist and acquisitive. And it's like, I've got to get like, the positions mm -hmm. and I've got to check them all up. I've got to like accumulate this reservoir of sexual experiences. Um, and it's just very like not, not at all intimate or tender. Um, and, and is very, you know, the like internalizing that sort of mentality, which is like, you know, I think inevitable if you're like imbibing all of this, this like stream of, of, uh, images, yeah, uh, it's hard not to not to internalize that mentality. And then it's hard, you know, like I was just like way more down on her body than I would have, you know, mm -hmm. like I just like, you know, it made me think that like she was way less beautiful than I would have thought she was because I'm, it's also the sort of um, just a certain script about what like female beauty is, 
which I'm like not even like attracted to anymore now that I'm like not sort of immersed in that world. Um, so this is all very scattered and meandering, but I, it's like really good now to like not be in it. And I feel sort of like liberated and I feel like my relationship with sexuality now is like a lot more just tender and loving and all of that. You know, there's pornography is problematic on the one hand because so much of it is like patriarchal and some of it is like violent and it's very, uh, so there's all of that. But then there's also for me, it's just like, uh, when I'm in a pedantic mood, what I call it is synesthetic fracture, uh, which is my sort of uh, funny way of saying that it's dissociating your five senses from one another, you know, in like a sexual context. So like, you know, when you're with a partner, there's like, you know, there's touch and smells and, and, and sight and, and all of this. And they're sort of like intermeshed in the experience. There's like this, um, and I guess my experience with pornography is that it's like, you know, what I'm, what I'm getting through my eyes is like separate from what I'm, you know, mm -hmm. getting through touch. Um, and so like the experience is very, for me has been very disembodying. Um, and I feel like, like pornography is so visual. Um, so like one effect is like, for me, it has been with partners, like I am just way more involved in the visual aspect of it in lieu of all the other aspects, mm -hmm. right? In a way that like makes, it just kind of ruin, ruins it, you know, it makes it, I don't know. Shifts your focus maybe yeah. to recreate mm -hmm. maybe the images that you Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Being as fully present yeah. in those yeah. experiences. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and then you're also, yeah, like when you're, you're coming to sexuality with a, trying to instantiate a preconceived kind of vision, you know, you lose out on the like, the spontaneity of it, like the playfulness of it, like the way that things can just sort of like emerge and you can sort of like, you know, experience like, oh, I enjoy it in that. Like, so that, yeah, so that sucks. Well, the way but, uh, porn is introduced to our lives mm -hmm. is for many people mm -hmm. so young before mm -hmm. they yeah, have okay. any good sex ed, mm -hmm. which is, certainly hard to come by mm -hmm. in schools and so you have this dominant narrative mm -hmm. that is probably more complicated and sophisticated mm -hmm. than you have been already learning about mm -hmm. and it's also I mean it's hard for adults to separate like a performance of sexuality mm -hmm. from like mm -hmm. any genuine mm -hmm. yeah. experience of sexuality and so yeah. For kids to be seeing that, and I don't, I don't have yeah. a hard line against yeah. like porn oh, is sure, bad sure, or porn sure. like kids shouldn't. I like kind be. of do, but that's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I want to separate. Yeah, because I think mm -hmm. if we just don't talk about like this is a performance and mm -hmm. these are actors and mm -hmm. this may or may not look like right. anything you're ever going to right. be doing. Right. And right. I, I just, I, I think if we were yeah. able to have the discussion, yeah. it could be 
But certainly be less damaging yes. than without having that discussion. Yeah. And, yeah. Point of being, yeah. Because if that's your dumb, that's yeah, your only yeah, source yeah. of like, this is what sex right, is, and you're right. trying to recreate that mm-hmm. without any yeah. other context of like, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially with yeah. all of the mainstream porn that's just that's, yeah, bad. <laughs> it's just like not good quality. I, I don't know how we could make, like, I guess it's hard to imagine, like, making good porn predominantly without, you know, a, a really radical restructuring of the kind of economy in which, like, porn is being consumed. I mean, I think, like, sex work is so sort of unique because it's, like, such a deep form of emotional labor. Like, even if, like, you are able to, like, separate sex and emotion, like, there's, like, very much a part of, like, being involved in, like, something so personal that like does require sort of like emotional labor but then like i mean i'm fascinated by the body right and like in yoga teacher training and stuff we like talk about how physical presence is like so deeply connected to like energetics in the body and emotion that's stored in the body that like sex work has this additional labor that's different you know from like other sorts of like emotional caregiving jobs because it's also got this embodied factor where it's like you have to bring like a really unique physical presence into it so I think, like, part of the argument is that it does sort of fall in line with other, like, forms of employment that, like, are not ideal, right? Like, there are <laughs> – everything is unethical under capitalism. Like, that is, like, part of it, right? Like, nobody should ever have one option. Like, nobody should ever be forced to pursue something they don't want to solely because of money. But then also, like, ideally people do get some kind of enjoyment or, like, mild fulfillment even out of their jobs right like ideally that's all possible like regardless of like what career field you're talking about but then well that's something I'm really interested in definitely as like any type of body work is like so intensive like any work that you cannot do remotely basically but also the emotional aspects like part of what I think complicates this idea of sex work is kind of like the idea that anyone could do it and that it's like the lowest form of labor like we all it's everyone's fallback career it's like everyone's plan z when it's like this is not a thing everyone can do like, oh, sure. that's something I think that, like, a lot of, there's kind of a narrative of, like, well, if I can't get this job, I'll just get a job stripping or whatever. Like, I feel like I hear lots of girls say that, especially oh, in college, and it's like, well, I'll just do that to put myself through college. And it's yeah. kind of like, a, well, I will do this subsistence thing to make a lot of money in a short amount of time, and then I'll go do something else. But it's like, that's kind of no one's experience. Yeah. You can't, it's not a get rich quick, quick scheme. It's not a low emotional labor scheme. It's like the most intense of emotional labor you could possibly do. And like, I can't do that. I can't be a sex worker. I get drained after like two hours of talking to anyone. If I'm visible for more than an hour of the day, like I am tapped out for days after. I can't do that. Well, (laughs) I mean, I don't, I know myself well enough to know that like, I, I can't compartmentalize like that. Like, 
for me, like, it, it's just not something that I could sustain. So it's like, I think people who say, well, if this doesn't work out, like, I'll just become a stripper, could not become successful strippers. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it, I mean, also just saying things like that, like, totally demeans, like, completely like, of other people, which completely. And I like, that's part of what we like, it's, it's our sex negative culture that devalues sex in that very specific way. And a lot of it is because it's feminized, it's gendered. So we think of sex workers as women and we think of women's work as less valuable. And we think of if women are doing it, if only we think only women can do it. So of course sex work is easy. Women are doing it. Of course it can't be hard. (laughs) Of course it's like, well, we would all be sex workers if we were, if we didn't have morals or something, like we would all be doing that because it must be so pleasurable and so easy and so lucrative. But I have principles, so I don't, it's like, this very specific type of framing, like all of these factors make up the way we feel about it. And it's like, we are just all complicit in this. Yeah. I mean, it like, I mean, circle back around to like we talked about the very beginning, like so much of it is like those comments, I think they don't come from the spot of like, even like I'm anti-sex work or like I'm like anti-sex worker or like, it's just, I've internalized a lot of messages about like the value of sex and the value of bodies. And that comes out in these like sort of cavalier ways. So that's it for part two of Coming of Age Cincinnati. I have such a deep appreciation for the vulnerability that the participants in Cincinnati were able to give me, and the generosity with which they shared the intimate details of their lives. I'm just, it just makes me so happy, (laughs) which is why I'm doing this, I guess. We still have more of the Cincinnati series, so make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. As always, you can find me and my work at Coming of Age Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out our Patreon because we have lots of great perks. And whether or not you're able to financially support the show, just listening or telling a friend about the show is above and beyond all of my expectations. So, thank you. And I will see you back for Coming of Age Cincinnati Part 3. So you're in the shower. Do you remember what some of the first, like, thoughts were? Yes. Um... This was a thing that it was helpful to know was anonymous. Mm. I thought about my sixth grade English teacher. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Was, that was the only thought. It was butts. Butts was that was the main thought. Butts will do it. Butts will do it. Yeah, very effective.